How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 288 of x Last, where we right a wrong today. Um, this is a book that uh, was canceled uh, on my pre-orders for some reason or another, and I completely forgot about it. <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize that I had missed it until just recently, uh, when it was brought to my attention that like the next uh, issue in this series is on its way out, and I was like, hey... What happened to that other issue that uh, we never got, we never read, we never talked about? Well, it did come out, and uh, I just didn't get it, and uh, as such, we haven't talked about it. Well, today we're going to make that right here, and it is, of course, one of the Marvel's Voices one-shots, and it's one that, I mean, it's a series of very inoffensive stories, um... We're going to go through them, there just isn't a whole heck of a lot to say about any of them. Uh, We're also going to be covering a story from the uh, Pride Voices special, which I neglected to include last time, because I didn't realize there was a mutant involved in it, I was just flipping through. So we're going to make good on that as well. So, let's hop right in. This is Marvel's Voices Identity Number 1, had an October 2021 cover date. We're covering three stories here. They are That One Thing, Personal Heroes, and Traditional Pink Sushi. And also, from Marvel's Voices Pride Number 1, we're covering When a Black Cat Crosses Your Path, You Give Them the Right of Way. Written by Christina Strain, Alyssa Wong, Ken Nomura, and Leah Williams. Art by Jason Liu, Wills Pertasio, Ken Nomura, and Jan Bezaldua. Colors Christina Strain, J. David Ramos, Ken Nomura, and Eric Arshanaga. Letters, VCs Joe Sabino and Ariana Marr. Designs, Carlos Lowe, or Lau. Uh, edits, Brunstad Roque, Gregorowitz, Shan Sabolski. Cover price, $6, and this one on sale August 25th of 2021. So kind of a blast from the past, and I, I can't believe I didn't realize that this thing came out. Okay, let's hop right in here. We have That One Thing by Christina Strain and Jason Liu. We open with Jubilee sat before the gravesite of her parents. I honestly don't remember how or when they died. I think uh, whenever I think about it, I kind of conflate it with the cartoon. You know, that uh, the two-parter that opened the animated series where she was just a runaway and the parents... Uh, were, they, were they killed by sentinels? Or I don't remember. Anyway, she is there to both visit and to perform a grave sweeping, which she isn't sure she's doing right, and she apologizes if that's the case. Over the course of several pages, she thinks back to her childhood and the things she's taken for granted, which is basically her relationship with her mother. Uh, That next page or so, we get to see that she had a little bit of a personality clash with her mother and uh, did get along very well with her dad. 
Nothing outrageous, no screaming fights, no nothing, nothing incendiary. It's just, it just seemed like she was closer to her dad. Then Shogo comes running up. So this is from before he was dematured to, you know, just being a baby who can't do a whole heck of a lot. And also Chamber is here. So I feel like we're definitely back in the Generation X volume two days, which I did cover here on the channel during Generation X Lapsed, a series that you probably didn't listen to. It's available in the archives if you'd like to rectify that. And, well, that's kind of it. Uh, we wrap up with the three of them having a nice picnic at the gravesite. Next up, Personal Heroes by Alyssa Wong, Will Spertasio, and J. David Ramos. We open in the Philippines, where Pearl Pengen, Wave of the Agents of Atlas, is heading home from the market with some Gabi and Bangus or Bengus for her Lolo. Now, uh, Gabi or Gabi is uh, food from the taro plant, and Bangus or Bongus is milkfish. Now, googling both of those ingredients together brings up a recipe for magical sinagang nabangus with gabi, which is exactly what Pearl's Lolo is going to make. Well, sinagang anyway, or sinagang. Uh, I'm not sure about its magical qualities. Anyway, she happens across a mutant gone wild in Snake, a uh, water elemental type who has taken the form of a sea serpent made of water. Wave sees that Bishop is trying to wrangle Snake, which... Sounded a bit more pervy than I thought it would. Now, she refers to Bishop as one of her heroes and hops over to assist. Here we get a mutual admiration society bit where Bishop says that Wave is one of the great heroes from the history books where and when he comes from. Which, really? Okay. Anyway, Wave manages to KO Snake, and we wrap up with her inviting Bishop to have some synagogue or synagogue with she and her Lolo, and he does. And that's that. Next up, Traditional Pink Sushi by Ken Nomura. We're on Krakoa, where Armor and the Silver Samurai are getting ready to have some sushi. It's a, a year ago, by the way. Uh, the samurai is shocked and annoyed to learn that Armor added ketchup and mayo to the sushi rice, which turned it pink. He yells at her for being a disgrace to their culture, calling her out for being too Americanized. Then, he tries the pink stuff and loves it. And that sounded a bit more pervy than I thought, too. And that's basically it. That's the end of the story. That's really it. Um, I really wish there was more I could say about this, but, well, there isn't. There isn't anything else I can say about it. So uh, how about we hop back a little further to Marvel's Voices Pride number one and that story that I totally neglected. Now, this is When a Black Cat Crosses Your Path, You Give Him the Right Away by Leah Williams, Jan Bazaldua, and Eric Arshinaga. And uh, flipping through it back in whenever we talked about this book... Um, I saw it was a black cat story, didn't realize it included a mutant character, so I skipped it. Anyway, the story opens and we're at The Fortress, a government-operated medical facility where we're following the black cat. Well, at least we think it's the black cat, but it's not. Because after a page or so where we compare the hair, mask, and method of this black cat to the real one, the real one appears. The real Felicia tackles the fake one and accuses her of being Steel Raven, a character who appeared exactly thrice before. Turns out that this other black cat isn't the villainous Steel Raven, it's actually Jesse Drake, a mutant with unconscious chameleon powers who also appeared exactly thrice before. Now, her story is that she was kidnapped by this fortress and eventually rescued by Wolverine and or Typhoid Mary. She's also the first openly transgendered character in Marvel Comics. 
She first appeared in Marvel Comics Presents number 150, which this story actually gives a footnote to. Anyway, she morphs back to her regular self and chats up the black cat. Together, they try to figure out what to do with this place, and they ultimately decide to just blow it up. They walk away from the explosion and maybe decide to start dating? I don't know, but that's where we leave it. That is that. That is, uh... Everything about these issues here. Um, next episode, uh, whenever my DCBS order arrives, it is New Mutants, number 23. Though, if you are sticking around with the channel, regardless of the programming, we will be continuing Weblapsed. We've also got the return of X-Men Unlimited, which uh, actually looks like it's going to be a pretty fun story, but we'll talk about that in just a little while. Um, for now, though, uh, well, I guess it's our talking time segment. Where I have absolutely nothing to say I, I didn't not enjoy these stories They were fine They were fine stories um, They just fall under the same sort of uh, Not so much criticism But observation That I have about a lot of these um, These voices specials They don't really encourage or prompt Deep analysis or discussion they just, They're just kind of stories that exist And um they're not terrible, they're not bad, they're not awesome, they're not great, they're kind of they're kind of just there. I think the only thing that really stands out to me is the fact that they brought in uh, Christina Strain, the writer of Generation X Volume 2 and then into the Legacy run, to revisit the uh, Jono Jubilee romance, which kind of fell by the wayside after that book went away. I do find that a little curious that they would bring that back up now. We I don't know that we've seen the two of them share panel space. Since uh, Hoxpox came through So a little curious A little curious I, I don't hate it Even going back to when I was a teenager Reading Generation X the first time through I always thought it would be cool to have Jubilee and Chamber Kind of get together Or kind of be be together Because well, Chamber just had like the most striking look He 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 was like in the forefront of all the hype for Generation X Yeah, saw this just awesome character with you know, the electricity spewing out of his chest and, and the lower part of his mouth and face. He just looked super cool, and Jubilee was someone we instantly recognized being X-Fans. So I think in my mind I always wanted to see the two of them, maybe not so much as an item, but just together. You know, be be in the same space. And I'm probably not the only one to feel that way. But uh, yeah, I think that's like the only thing I have to say. We had the Agents of Atlas and Bishop story. That was there we had the sushi story which was there going back to pride we had the black cat story which was also just kind of there it played off a uh, three-part story in marvel comics presents that probably exactly 15 people read now that's not a bad thing by any stretch i'm i'm a huge fan of the deep cuts so hey fair play but at the end of the day I, we haven't seen jesse since so it, did the story just kind of fizzle there is Jesse going to show up in the Black Cat series? Is she going to show up on Krakoa? I mean, your guess is as good as mine. So uh, I think that's probably all I have to say about this. Um, the art. The, I'll, I'll talk about the art for a bit here. The art was uh, the art was really impressive all around here. We had very different art styles. Um, Wills Pertasio. Uh, you know, when I think about Pertasio's work, going back to, you know, old Uncannies and into Wetworks and stuff like that, and he came back for... I mean, he was on X-Factor early on. I think he came back for some Wolverine stuff later on. I always picture his work as being very, very, very scratchy. 
And usually when I see his name in the credits, I get this like knee jerk sort of just like instinctual like flinch, like, uh oh, you know, here comes the scratchiness. He didn't have that here. Um, the art didn't feel nearly as scratchy as uh, what I picture from Protasio. It was actually very, very nice. Um, over in the uh, sushi story, we had a very cartoony, uh, manga influenced um, sort of art from Nomura. Thought it was really cool, really like uh, cute stuff, very, very good. And like I said, the stories weren't bad at all. Um, you know, I tried looking around to see what people thought about this one, as I try to do with some of the more middling or fillery uh, books out there, just to see if folks, you know, point anything out. And all I really found was people comparing this to the DC uh, Asian Heritage Month special, um, which, I mean, hey, you're welcome to do that, but I feel like all that does is divide people and make people angry and... It kind of misses the point of the entire thing. So, I don't know. Also keep in mind, I didn't read anything that wasn't X-Men or Mutant related here. So, there could have been some really excellent stories that I missed out on. There could have been some really bad stories I missed out on. This is a Just the X-Man sort of look at this special. So, uh, I guess that's where we'll leave it. Now, we didn't get any uh, mail this time out. But uh, I did get a message about a uh, tweet I put out when um, advertising the Excalibur episode. Uh, on that uh, tweet or Facebook post or whatever, you know, like my social media sharing <laughs> on that, I uh, I put a disclaimer on there saying that, uh, you know, there's going to be some uh, cranky Chris in this episode. And uh, somebody left a reply at Chris's on Infinite Earth saying that I didn't need to do that. And, uh, well, if only that were true. <laughs> if only I didn't need to do that. Um, we've talked before about how... Uh, Sometimes less favorable opinions of uh, the material gets confused with hate speech or threats. And, I mean, you have to warn people when you don't like something. It's just the way of the critique world, unfortunately, right now. You can't just not like something. Like, I haven't liked Excalibur or, you know, the other books that I haven't liked. Unless your entire gimmick is that you hate everything. And I don't want that to be my gimmick because it's certainly not. But if you don't like something, you kind of have to get in front of it. At least in my experience and in my opinion, just so you don't you don't get the clap back. You don't get people trying to uh, ruin your show's reputation on uh, various review aggregation sites. You get ahead of it. You tell people that uh, you know that this isn't the greatest book in my opinion, and if that bothers you, maybe don't listen to this one because you're not gonna like what I have to say about it. Of course, for some people, that's an invitation to listen to it. <laughs> but uh, I, I would hope that the warning there is enough to dissuade someone who my opinion might ruin the day of. Because, I mean, that's kind of the world we're living in. And I, I don't understand it. You know, I don't understand how me not liking something you do like or vice versa would adversely affect your enjoyment of your day and your hobby. But that's kind of where we're at. So that's the reason for the uh, the cranky Chris sticker on some of these uh, some of these social media tweets. But um, I think that's all I have to say about that. Uh, let's hop into the shoutouts department, which I actually neglected to include last episode here. Over on Twitter, I'd like to thank Joe Crawford, Chris Bailey, Andrew in Belfast, Dave Schultz, Billy D, Jeremiah, Walt Neeland, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Jesse D Young, Professor Allen, Jason Colby, and Mark Jagger. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Jeremiah, Andrew Franklin, Jesse D. Young, Chris Bailey, Herman, Walt Neeland, and Billy D. 
And Instagram is back to being Instagram again, so we have two. <laughs> Only two bits of engagement. Our good friend Jeremiah and Mizdo Davies, uh, thank you all so much for helping me to uh, spread the word and raise the profile of this little program. Over on Patreon.com slash XLAPS, I'd like to thank the patrons. That's Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, Mark Jagger, Herman, and Andrew in Belfast. Thank you all so much for your support. And, uh, hey, before I hop on out of here, we do have some news. We've got news, and I'd like to thank Jesse D. and Andrew in Belfast for sharing this image with me. And, uh... If you're following this show and you're active on social media, undoubtedly you have seen this image probably 7,000 times today. This is the Destiny of X promo teaser by uh, Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go, and it's here we find out uh, which books are going to be coming our way after uh, Inferno and Zlato's Lado. And we've got nine of them. Not sure if they're all ongoings, not sure if they're all minis, not sure... I'm not even sure who the uh, creative teams are for most of them, but... uh, Let's go through them. Let's go through them here. First, we have Immortal X-Men. And I don't know what that's going to be about. I don't know who's going to be featured in it, and I don't know who's writing it. So, um, yeah, chalk me up as interested, though. That seems like it could be an interesting uh, title. Next up, we got Marauders. I'm assuming it's Volume 2. This is the Steve Orlando one, which I've already expressed quite a bit of trepidation about. So um, we'll take that as we get it. X-Force, probably still Percy. Hopefully no new number one. <laughs> I hope we keep the numbering. Can we please keep the numbering for one of these books? Next up, we got Knights of X, uh, which we'll probably wind up calling Cox quite a bit. Um, this, I'm, I have absolutely no idea what this could be. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe this is what Excalibur might turn into. You know, Knights, Excalibur, it stands to reason. Maybe, uh... Is it Morlun or Mordred? Is it Mordred who we're supposed to come back to? Maybe Mordred's part of it. Um, hopefully we get a different writer. That's probably my only thing that I'd have to say about that one. Uh, X-Men, uh, the Duggan Laraz volume, hopefully. Hopefully we're not getting a new number one again. And so far, outside of that odd filler Halloween issue, that's been a pretty you know, pretty high-quality book. So fingers crossed that we keep that, keep that going strong. Next up, Legion of X, which I'm guessing uh, someone at Marvel thought, you know, hey, maybe Legionaries is a little too close to Legionnaires over at DC. So maybe this is the Legionaries spinoff from Way of X. It will now be Legion of X. Next up, Wolverine, uh, maybe still Percy, hopefully, you know, why not? And hopefully no new number one. Same with New Mutants, probably still Ayala, who is starting this uh, this new story featuring magic, I believe, after the Shadow King stuff uh, passes, and hopefully no new number one. Finally, we've got X-Men Red, and uh, I don't think this is going to be like the X-Men Red that we had uh, in 2018-2019. If I had to guess, I'd say that maybe this will be our Mars Arako-based book. I have absolutely no insider knowledge, so this is just my best bet. So nine books. Part of me is very excited. Part of me is very excited because, you know, when new happens, maybe the water treading will stop. As we've talked about a lot over the past several weeks, some of these books have just felt like they've been running in place. And that's by no fault of the creative teams. This is just the the editorial, you know, um, 
the 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 deck chair rearranging, right? It's like we got to keep these books going, but we don't know where we're going, so just put some stuff on paper, right? So I'm I'm part of me is excited for the possibility that we might actually start getting some stories, you know, that maybe we're going to move forward with this. Part of me is kind of over this Krakoa stuff. I, I think I'd like to get back to business as usual, but I will, you know, I will be as optimistic as possible. I can't say that I'm 100% jazzed here. Um, I feel like there need to be less books overall. You know, nine books, whether that's, you know, four ongoings, five minis, or any combination of ongoing and mini, just feels like a lot of books, right? I, I mean, when, when Hoxpox ended, uh, one of the big... Uh, you know, uh, critiques of the Dawn of X line was that there were six books. It's like, that's a lot of books, right? And here we have nine. And uh, hopefully hopefully we're not going to be double shipping because if they double ship everything for the first month, that's 18 books. That's, that's a lot of damn books. Um, you know, I'm not in the business of business, so what do I know? You know, but uh, part of me's excited, part of me's a little eh, but uh, we'll be there for it. That's that's an absolute fact. Now, another piece of news that was just sent our way from our good friend Ed Moore is about the next run of X-Men Unlimited, which I, you know, I referenced a little earlier. This is the Paradise Lost story, which features Juggernaut and Deadpool, and apparently it's going to be a seven-parter. It's going to run from X-Men Unlimited 13 through 20. It's written by Fabian Nicieza with art by Matt Horick. I, I'm not familiar with Horick's work. I am very familiar with Nicieza's, and... Uh, that makes me feel very excited because I'm a huge Fabian Nicieza fan. Now, this story is going to run from uh, December 6th to January 24th. And the story will see that mutant kind still needs non-mutant allies such as Deadpool and Juggernaut. Now, we know that uh, Juggernaut's going to be part of the Legionaries, Legion of X cast. And if you looked at the Lionel U uh, promo for Destiny of X, Deadpool is there. And he's holding a sign saying, help me. So, uh... I don't know if he's been drafted into uh, working with Krakoa, or uh, maybe this is a case of be careful what you wish for, because he wanted to have a part there, and uh, it looks like he might just have one at this point. Now, my cynical side would have to point out that using Deadpool and Juggernaut as uh, non-mutant characters is probably going to go over the heads of a lot of casual readers who probably already assume that Wade and Kane are mutants, but uh, I'll save my cynicism for... uh, for another time. Uh, in any event, I am definitely looking forward to this. The first chapter is already out, as far as I know. It came out December 6th. I'm recording this December 7th, and it'll hit the air on December 8th. So when you're listening to this, uh, that story will be, uh, that first part will be uh, two days old. So you can go back and check that out, and uh, we'll probably be covering that one over this coming weekend. But uh, that was the news, but we ain't done yet, because this is sort of kind of the November finale. In you know, I mean, we're... <laughs> We're a third of the way through December, but this is the quote-unquote November finale where we covered all the October books and, of course, the one that I forgot to do in August. But we have sales charts. That's what I'm trying to say here. We're going to take a look at the sales charts since this is a sort of kind of finale. Uh, These are for August 2021, and they're from Comicron.com where we actually have the, uh, the shipment numbers, so that's a very cool thing. Let's look at our top five, and uh, there's going to be a theme here. We've got King Spawn, number one, from Image. We have Batman 89, number one, from DC. Batman number 111 from DC. That's the f- that's number two and three. The fourth highest shipped book was X-Men, The Trial of Magneto, number one, which is kind of a shock. 
And fifth is Batman Fear State Alpha number one. So, uh, yeah, we need more Batman, don't we? You know, um, I was going to save this for the end, but um, I looked through the entire sales charts here, and we had 25 books with Bat in the title. 25 books with Bat in the title. Plus two Harley Quinns, a Joker, a Robin, a Nightwing, Gotham, and friggin' Pennyworth. Ugh, boy, that's a, that's a lot of bad books. I don't know how anybody can keep up with even an eighth <laughs> of those books. But uh, let's get into the numbers here uh, on the X books. Of course, number four was X-Men The Trial of Magneto, number one, which shipped 117,334 units. And uh, we don't have anything to compare that to. I mean, we could compare it to X-Factor, number 10, but that would not be fair. Next, the sixth highest shipping book, just missing the top five, was X-Men Volume 6, number 2. And that shipped 95,227 units. Went down five slots. Last time out, it was number one. And it shipped 153,573 less units, which is to be, to be expected. You know, it is a uh, that uh, attrition, the second issue attrition, which is what we always get in comics. The 22nd highest shipping book was Wolverine number 15. Now that, that moved uh, 59,897 units and dropped down two slots from number 20 and shipped 1,319 less copies. So pretty respectable there, well, dropping only a little over 1,000 copies. That's not bad at all. The 53rd highest ship book was the book we discussed today, Marvel's Voices Identity number 1. Now, that shipped 40,893 copies, and I swear I've seen at least half that at the comic shops in my neighborhood. So (laughs) they're still lingering on shelves, and uh, yeah, I'm going to buy one because that's what I do. The 67th highest shipped book was Hellions number 14. How about that? This one shipped 36,290, I'm sorry, 284 units, 36,284 units, went up 12 slots from number 79, and shipped 1,482 more copies. So that's a pretty nice upswing for arguably the best book in not only the line, but probably in comics. Yeah, superheroes-wise, anyway. Uh, The 68th highest-selling book was Way of X number 5. 35,449 copies went up 22 slots from number 90 and shipped 2,896 more copies. So, you know, the cream rises eventually. (laughs) It's the last issue, I guess. Uh, 72 is X-Force 22. Now, this one shipped 34,149 copies, went up 9 slots from number 81, but... Shipped 589 less copies. I mean, 589 is like a rounding error, so I think we can call that one a wash. The 86th highest selling book or shipping book is Cable Reloaded number one. This one shipped 31,775 copies. Now, it's not a fair comparison, but it did go up 44 slots from uh, when it was Cable number 12 and shipped 8,487 more copies than Cable number 12. Not a fair comparison, but... It's the only comparison we have for this one. The 87th highest ship book was X-Men Legends number 6. Now that one shipped 31,761 copies, went up two slots from 89, but went down 800 copies. Number 92 is Marauders number 23. Now that one shipped 29,960 copies, went down 21 slots from number 71, and dropped 6,143 copies. So, uh... 
as the cream rises in other places, the uh, the chaff sinks a little bit. Uh, Marauders has been pretty weak of late. Let's jump down into the triple digits here. Uh, the 113th highest ship book is Children of the Atom number 6. Now, this one shipped 24,695 copies and actually rose six slots from number 119, but did ship 2,237 less copies. Finally, finally rounding out our list here is uh, probably one of the very worst books I ever covered for this show, and that was X-Corp number four. Now, this was the 117th highest shipping book and shipped 23,750 copies. It dropped 24 slots from uh, number 93, and uh, made it so there were 7,334 more happy folks out in the world. So I feel like every time we talk about the sales charts, I try to, like, uh, impart what what we learned (laughs) from looking at these numbers. It's like, what did we learn here? And month after month, we learn the same exact thing. If you're in the business of selling books, slap a number one on something or slap a bat on something, and uh, that's how you sell books. Anything else? You are barking up the absolute wrong tree. But that's going to do it for today. That'll do it for uh, the November episodes that ended in December. Um, now, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me for any reason at all, please feel free to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can find me on Instagram at 90sXmen, at least for now. Uh, it's starting to... <laughs> Instagram's starting to... Crank the uh, the faucet shut on me there Nobody's seeing my stuff Or maybe people are just done with my stuff Who knows But 90s X-Men is where I'm at over there uh, You can send me an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com Or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK For blog posts and show notes You can head over to chrisoninfiniteearths.com You can join us on Facebook at 90s X-Men We're actually talking about the Destiny of X thing here And uh Having a pretty fun conversation, so if you'd like to be a part of that, I'd love to see you there. Of course, for the complete audio archives, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and that's available on all your favorite and least favorite podcasting platforms out there. Finally, the Patreon is patreon.com slash xlapsed for exclusive content, behind-the-scenes stuff, and some good conversation. But that is where I will stop for today, and... um. I want to report that uh, today is the first day I've done this with my brand new eyes. <laughs> my uh, my spectacles have arrived. My uh, progressive lenses. I, I guess we don't call them bifocals anymore because uh, uh, maybe that would make me feel older than just saying I have progressive lenses. And so I see everything in 3D right now. And um, I spent a good 15 minutes knocking just about everything off the shelves at Trader Joe's last night <laughs> after I put these glasses on for the first time. I reached for a protein bar and wound up, like, crushing, like, five of them. So either I don't know my own strength or my depth perception was just shot. Whatever the case, I do have a pile of crushed um, protein bars in my pantry right now. But uh, made it through the episode. Uh, it actually was a joy to read this uh, this story on my iPad uh, last night. I could actually see the words. I didn't have to press my face into it. It Oh, man. Uh, these progressive lenses are pretty cool. Hopefully the uh, blinding headaches will stop pretty soon so I can actually get back to enjoying life the way uh, I was meant to. But uh, with all that said, I would like to thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.
Joe.